Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Represented by Banks and Jones. I'm not going to do a victory lap. I figure at this point, Caleb, there's really no point in that. But we did say all along that the uh, Nico situation was bubbling at the surface for several weeks now. And there are a lot of people on that football team that thought that he should have gotten a better opportunity to start. Did it create a fracture anywhere close to like it did before the South Carolina game? When you have the Jeremy Banks Hendon Hooker situation, no, absolutely not. I think Joe Milton is a fantastic young man. I think uh, he will do great in whatever his career may end up being. But uh, as for football, I think he has his limitations. Now, as we move forward, we're going to visit with Josh Ward and talk about some of the players that benefit most by the quarterback change heading into the future. Also, it's a Ron Slay Thursday, so we love to do that, the sleigh ride with Ron Slay. But Caleb, it was yesterday during the program that the news of uh, Joe Milton passing the torch to uh, Nico was, was made. So we had to react on the fly before we jump into a couple of different things, which are going to include reactions uh, to Nico, of course, and how good he can be. What is the upside for him? Let me just get your thoughts on how the day unfolded. It is a, I mean, it was it was hectic. As for, for those who don't know, we we Dave tells you all the time. We we put our show together very early in the morning. Three forty five a.m. production meeting. That's right. We thought we had breaking news when Jimmy Hyams told us that Nico was just going to play early in the game yesterday. And as he we're talking about that, the news breaks. And you're right. So we had to go on the fly. And made they made for a pretty hectic day, but a pretty fun day. And honestly, it made for a massive increase in levels of excitement and guys, not just for fans. We know the fans are more excited, but I can just say as, as Dave and I, as people who cover the game and love the game, like it makes us excited too. I mean, there wasn't, 
we like having things to talk about. That's that's the nature of our show. There wasn't going to be as much to talk about if, all due respect to Joe Milton, if Joe Milton went out against Iowa and balled out and threw for 17 touchdowns and had like some water boy stats for a quarterback, that wouldn't have given us as much to talk about because he wasn't going to be there next year. This makes it so much more fun to talk about. Now, that being said, I agree with exactly what you said, as for some reason my alarm is going off. But I I agree with exactly what you said. But he, I, I do want to offer this when it comes to Joe Milton. He was such a fantastic young man. I wanted, and I hope it did, end on his terms. Whether that's he goes to uh, Josh Heupel and he's like, I'm just not feeling it. I shouldn't have taken up your weeks, a week time of practice. I don't know what I'm thinking. Or it's something along the lines of my heart's not in it because I know that it's just Iowa. It's just a citrus bowl. I hope it's something like that, or I'm afraid to get hurt. I I, I hope he wasn't forced out the door um, because I think that Josh Heupel was put in a very difficult decision. So let's go ahead and get to today's tough question, which, listen, it's just kind of a matter of how good Nico is going to play against Iowa. I'm going to go on the record and say that right now. So it's today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason of AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right. What should we expect from Nico in the bowl game? You can give me a stat line. You can give me any adjective you want. Whatever you would like to offer up, Caleb, I will take that from you. You tell me, what should we expect out of Nico in the Citrus Bowl, which will be his first real meaningful playing time as a college football player? What say you? We should expect the a, a massive splash to start Nico's career. Such a splash that, as I wrote yesterday, you will be talking about his Heisman hype throughout the entire offseason. And the reason I say that is because there was a perception out there that Iowa's defense is great because every one of their games this year didn't go over 40 points. I mean, they were most of them were in the 20s, the total scores. I'm here to tell you that defense is massively overrated, like massively. Iowa had a period this year. They were, they played five straight teams whose scoring offenses were outside of the top 100. So they haven't played any offenses all year. They didn't play one top 70 power five passing offense this year. So they haven't been tested at all by any respectable passing game. And here comes a reinvigorated team with a quarterback that is perfectly fit to run one of the most quarterback friendly systems in college football. I think Iowa should be absolutely terrified. I think you guys should expect a 300-yard, four-touchdown game from Nico. I think, and here's the, here's the big part about this, because the passing, perception passing only, just passing only, or just passing, just okay. passing, throwing for 300 yards. There's not going to be much running. It's going to be a little different. Iowa does play. You hate to say this for slow teams, but it is true. They are a slow defense, but they play fundamentally sound defense. So they actually will be pretty good at stopping the run and things like that. But Dave, as you know, with Josh Heupel's offense, the problem with fundamentally sound but slow defenses, Josh Heupel spreads you out so much, you either have to be fast on the outside or you have to be powerful in the middle, don't you? You can't just be fundamentally sound and in position. 
No, and I think the speed difference is going to factor into this. The one thing that I would I would caution, and it has nothing to do with Nico, who I think is going to play play well great. So I want to stick to that topic. Um, I think that there there is an opportunity for Tennessee secondary to give up a big play to keep this somewhat close. As far as the number shifting, I will tell you this, and you know I don't gamble. I think that's easy money. Tennessee is a better football team because Nico will start as long as there's not an injury at the quarterback position than they were before this announcement was made. So that's easy money. And the over-under moved uh, as well. So uh, I want to get to that. But I-, I think being in control, to me, is the is the big difference. And you're going to see a guy go out there even better than Hooker, even better than Milton, and in his opening game, be in control. Like uh, Andy Mason is in control of your best needs and once when it comes to real estate, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, over 40 years of experience, best prices, best service in the biz. That's AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So I believe that he can he can handle that. I, can, I believe he can control the situation. So I think that's a step in the right direction. Dave, we're called off the hook. Let's go off the hook with our takes. Come on. what You got to go bold, bro. Go bold on Nico. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> well, I think he'll um I think they'll want to make a statement with Nico. Um, I think to go out there and play and go 18 of 26 would be great. Uh 16 of 26 would be great, but I think they'll want to make a statement. They'll want to throw the ball more than that and try to go 22 of 34 for about three and a quarter with three touchdowns. I think that's what they'll shoot for. And I think that's that similar to mine then. Yeah, and I think that Josh Heupel is a little bit easier to pick, quite frankly, because he keeps track of the scores and he keeps track of the points and what his quarterback is able to do. So I think it's a factor. Hit that like and subscribe button. I got no problem with it. Deion Sanders back in the day would tell you he's going to take it to the house. And what he do? He took it to the house. He's not taking players to Colorado as much as he thought he would, but he's still doing a good job. But I think Josh Heupel likes to keep track of the scores and and how many times his his guys do well in his offense, don't you? Oh, I absolutely do, which is why this is going to happen. And Josh Heifel, he wants a Heisman winner as much as anybody. Dave, what's it going to do for Nico's Heisman odds if Nico goes and balls out against an Iowa team that is way overrated, but people think is good defensively? The narrative is going to be that he torched a top 10 defense, isn't it? That's going to be the narrative the whole offseason. So we're extending this to narrative outside of just the Citrus Bowl. Do you, are we going there? We can go well, I'm there. Just saying, well, yeah, we can go there for this. I'm just saying in general, because the, I I expect I mean, Nico to destroy Iowa because I think Iowa is overrated. I think the narrative will be that he destroyed a top 10 defense, even though it's not really a top 10 defense. I agree with both of those things. I think it sets up perfectly for Nico because I looked at their defense too, and I think they're a little overrated. And I looked at who they played. And like the top scoring <laughs> offense was like 26. And there were a lot of 107. And that was a group of five offense, by the way. Do I think that Nico is going to go out there and look fantastic? Yes, Caleb, I do. But it sounds like I'm rubbing salt in the wound because I thought he should have played in the first place. I, I almost would rather be wrong on this one because I've been so just darn right. It hurts to be that right that long. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, 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 you are right. Milton calling a players meeting in August. Come on. I don't think it was the. I still don't think it was the wrong decision to go with Joe Milton the whole year. You kept the locker room together, and you have Nico coming in about about ready to ball out. Look, even with Nico, I, this team wasn't going to. This team wasn't going to compete for a title this year. 
I'd go with him too, but I'm just telling you that at that point, he's trying to assert his leadership capabilities, and oftentimes those that are trying to assert it as a senior don't have them. That's I, I understand that, but Joe Milton <laughs> did have the locker room, and you kept the locker room together this year. So things went the way – look, things did not go exactly how Tennessee fans wanted them to go. They didn't fall off. They didn't collapse, though. Okay, it was eight and actually, four. Actually, in all fairness, let's completely twist it because I think we can do that. Some people aren't that talented. Some hosts I know aren't that talented. We are. Let's twist it on its head. He got twenty pounds. Uh, Joe Heupel, uh Josh Heupel, got twenty pounds on Nico. He got him a lot more first team reps than the average freshman gets. He had Joe Milton ready to play who would have at least won three games, if not for a Cooper Mays injury, or lost only three games, but would have won one more game. Sorry, I said that backwards. Um, I've eaten a lot of sweets over Christmas. So, And then lastly, um, you get Milton to debut in the last game of the season that gets the most theoretical Nico, Nico, Nico to, to debut. I yeah, mean, it's a perfect setup. Did he luck into this or did he have this figured out? I I don't know if he lucked into it, but I do think he planned the whole time for Joe Milton to be a transition. While mainly what you just said, he wanted to put the weight on Nico and get him more first team reps. So he's ready to go. And look, the little I saw with Nico and I know it was mop up duty, but man, Dave, there was so much more decisiveness, decisiveness. There wasn't there for a quarterback with a little you saw of him. Travis, who I love, said, I bet Dave's mortgage first play is a run. I'll bet my mortgage first play is chucking it over 30 yards downfield. Do you want to bet on that? Also, personnel. Tennessee, I know Josh Heupel's offense is dependent on running the ball, so teams have to cheat in so they can get those one-on-one matchups. Iowa's corners and secondary. I I, I don't want to go here, but they don't look that fast. (laughs) <laughs> I hear you talking about screen passes. Let me just tell you this. That was done because Joe Milton, they were afraid to throw over the middle and the ball to get tipped and be an interception. I mean, listen, when Joe Milton came to them and said, hey, guys, I'm thinking about going to the NFL, they go, okay, take the screen playbook with you. Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's it's going to be part of Tennessee's game plan, but just like 2022, they run it every once in a while to stay balanced and push people around because they got – good blocking wide receivers. It's not going to be like it was last year. I just think it completely changed everything. And that's all I got to say about that. But I'll still tell you Nico is better than (laughs) Nico will immediately be better than even Hendon Hooker was. Heard it here first. Say that again. And why brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Does Caleb see better after that statement? He hasn't had the lace again. I have. No contacts, no glasses. I love it. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK surgery and regular eye examination. CCTIs.com. He's going to be better when he steps on the field. This Nico cat at when 2024, or you say in the bowl game, then Hendon Hooker was stepping on the field as the returning starter in the beginning of 2022. Is that what you are telling me? Is that what you just laid on the floor? Because, wow, uh, that's a lot. Just telling you, that's a lot. And I love you, Caleb. Yes, 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 yes. Hendon Hooker, Dave, you and I both know this. Hooker had 
a slight issue with deep ball accuracy. He he connected a, on a few, but he missed on a few too, did he not? Yes. Yeah. Nico's never going to miss on those deep balls. I watched his yeah, deep oh, ball wow. accuracy in high school. And he he is, gonna, okay, let's say he's going to be 40%. 40% huge. I think Hendon was 30. I think Joe was 15 over 20 I think Nico will be air. 50 to 60% on him. I, I, I He has the prettiest deep ball of any quarterback I've ever seen coming out of high school. So then at that point, and, you're the Rams that beat that soft Titan teams back in um, that soft Titans. What? Back soft, give me uh, yo soft Titans with <laughs> no, if Jeff Fisher and Mike Heimerdinger rest in peace, but if they were, if they didn't think that, Hey, maybe we should throw a pass in the end zone, just in case Kevin Di- football, IQ, football, IQ, let's throw a pass short of the end zone and risk him getting tackled and the clock running out when we have no timeouts. Don't get me started on that. That team was tough. They had Javon curse. Ask Peyton Manning about how soft Javon curse is. That was Milton like the decision to uh, call that or make that throw, whichever the case may be. But uh, not to the Ole Miss game. The the line actually moves Tennessee to eight and a half to six, and then that's with Nico being named the starter. I heard it dropped up what four points off the over under went lower. And double check if you guys don't care on the message board or you Caleb because uh, one of one of the posters who I trust said they've taken it off the board in, entirely. Um, so Smoky Mountain Red's like, Caleb, do you have room on this hot train? I mean, he really is calling. This is not play fun. He is calling Nico to win the Heisman. I mean, I don't know what Spire's doing for Nico, but Caleb could do more. All right. So Caleb, the number hasn't been taken off the board altogether, has it? No, the number is down. It's gone from Tennessee eight and a half to Tennessee six. And the over-under has gone from 38 Point five to thirty five point five, meaning they think Nico starting is going to result in three fewer points for Tennessee. Which it's smart by Vegas because they don't know the story of every single place. That number is going to move back up. I don't tell people ever when to gamble, do I, Caleb? I know no, what I'm don't. bad at. I don't go get the number, get the over too. Telling you, it's Ia Kashilava. Ia yeah, so I, I yeah, wanted to dive into it's, this. It's not the, it's not the, uh, what do they call it? The debit machine anymore. It's the, uh, it's the EPA machine. Ia Maleava. <laughs> <laughs> so the IPA machine. I really it, wanted to dive into this because what do you think Vegas is? Vegas does not get fooled by exterior factors. That's what they're known for. They have the most stake in setting their line right. How could they fall for the for Nico starting and the line moving to six? I thought it was re- I thought it was a really smart move by Vegas. Just move it real quick and see how it shakes out. That was my thinking because they don't know every backup quarterback unless they make a couple of phone calls. So probably since then they make a couple of phone calls that we're, we're, we don't oftentimes say this, but we tape one. Uh, we're live now, but we tape one uh, to the, the mornings between ten and like eleven forty-five. I will bet you by Thursday or Friday morning, the line moves back to where it was. If you can jump on Tennessee for less than seven, jump, jump, jump. It it, it does throw me off, but Vegas usually doesn't like to move lines back, do they? Because that's if they move lines back, they think that they got fleeced on a bunch of people betting one way. I don't think they care all that much when there's a quarterback change. I'd rather... Wouldn't you rather your employee make a second move that cost you less money overall than to just stay tried and true and make less money on two moves? I don't know. That's you're, that, that. I guess that's. I, mean, I, I got to think about this for a minute. I just 
So, but they had to at least think that Nico was worth fewer points than Joe, right? That's they think the backup quarterback is worth. But Vegas is supposed to be plugged into all of this stuff. I I don't think they have to be that plugged in because I think they've got somebody to call, and that's why that number is going to move back. I I almost guarantee it, and I'm not the gambling guy. Did they make the call before they move the number? I think they just move it quick. I worried that people are going to jump on it. It looks bad. It looks like the guy who just threw uh, through his stat line isn't bad, but the guy who just threw th- for 3 million yards is leaving your, your team. And you've already had all, all these guys go through the portal. So if I'm living in Oregon and I make my living gambling on college football, I see that. And I'm, I'm thinking I might jump on the Tennessee's going down bandwagon, but you don't know the story of every single guy. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. No, yeah, I guess that's fair. It just kind of throws me off. My thought is, I, I don't know what my thought is. I don't know where, where they would, I, I could see if they started the line there. If you wanted to be concerned about Tennessee, you could say maybe the edge rushers, you know, James Pierce's suspension, Tyler Barron. I assume James Pierce is suspended. I don't know that for sure, but I would just assume um, Tyler Barron gone. Just the lack of edge rusher help in this game could create an issue, but like, look, I, I got a, I, I love Joe. I, I, you and I both agree. Joe's a great kid. I think he was the right quarterback for this year during a transition year. I know we might disagree on that. I defended him staying the starting quarterback, but Nico's not a freshman anymore. If you think about it, Nico's been in the system since December oh. of 2022. And he is now at the weight he needs to be at. He's ready. And you're putting him up against a, I mean, Unless you think that, again, here's what it is. Here's what it is. I got it. I know what it is. It's 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 not just Nico. It's Nico having his first start, and it's Vegas is falling for Iowa's defense. Yeah, you mean, I, think that's, defense. I think that's a possibility. Um, let, let's pull up, if you can. Uh, I know it was tweeted out uh, recently, the ranking of the, the offenses that Iowa's played. It's not very good at all. I tell you what's fantastic is the customer service. Uh, Don Self State Farm right there in the greater Chattanooga area. College Dell Udawa 423-396-2126. Excuse me, 423-396-2126 or DonSelf.net. Go to Don, DonSelf.net. The customer service still matters. And when you're thinking about uh, making that claim, you want to know, that you've got someone that's been in the business for over 40 years, like Don Self. So were we able to find the offenses that they beat? Yep. Oh, you it pulled up. Look at you. You're so fast. Yeah, the, Look at these, these numbers. The okay, these are the offenses according to I, – I can't read that. That's too small. Do you want to go – we want to make that big? Can we make it big? I don't, People on the see, audio platform. Not are so sure if I can oh. if I can make this bigger um, with the screen share. So maybe we'll just – maybe I'll just read them off. I'll just stop sharing and read them off. How about that? Oh, right. I took it away. Can you pull it back up? Uh, do, no, we don't need to pull it back up because if you can't, I could barely read it, so our, our audience okay. can't read it. Let me just read okay. it. I'll this just is stunning. It. This is stunning. How bad? How bad the offenses that Iowa's played are to this point? Yes, it is absolutely stunning. So here we go. By the the way, rankings Derek of Iowa's says, offenses. By the way, Derek are, says interior push is going to be necessary to control this game. Travis, you don't have to go there. Go ahead, Caleb. <laughs> Uh, the first opponent is the best offense they played and it was ranked number 27, but that was Utah state playing at a group of five school. So 27 at a group of five level is more like 70 outside of the group of five. Am I right, Dave? 
Am I yes. right? You feel me on that? I'll roll with that. So, so that's you. effectively the 70th best offense. Okay, after that, 87th, 80th, 62nd, 128th, 71st, 125th, 76th, 124th, 123rd, 62nd, 170, 117th, 70th. Tennessee's offense is ranked number 16 nationally. You guys, everybody that was down on the offense with Joe Milton this year, Tennessee still had a top 20 offense nationally. Say that one more time because I don't think that people really believe that. Everybody down on Tennessee and Joe Milton this year, the Vols with Josh Heupel still had a top 20 offense. 11 spots better than the best offense Iowa's faced all year on a rankings perspective and over 60 spots better than any Power 5 offense Iowa has faced this year. So this, spare me, miss me with the Iowa defensive rankings, guys. I don't care. Nico's going to have such a field day with those. Again, it's going to look like 2001 Citrus Bowl when Jason Witt not ran the whole Michigan secondary. You stole that from me yesterday. You stole that from me yesterday. Josh Ward joins joins us next. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It could be. That's not the fastest looking team in the world. Two minutes and it's Josh Ward. More after this. Sand and saltwater, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All righty, let's get to Josh Ward joining us now of WNML. You can listen to him uh, from noon to three, bringing it, throwing heat. Josh, how are you, sir? 
Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, did you have a good Nico day? It was a ton of content for us on the radio. So, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, it's gotten to the point where uh, we ask about that before Christmas. Did you have Did you have a fantastic Christmas with your – he's got three little ones, so he's in like the cool age. Yeah, they had a blast, and uh, it's uh, it's cheesy, but it's true watching your kids open gifts and how excited they are and just the entire experience. Uh, it's awesome. So, yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, good deal. All right. I, like, I definitely like hearing that. Now, uh, I want to get to the five ways uh, that a strong bowl performance will prove valuable for Nico. That's what you wrote on uh, Off the Hook Sports. But we, we were just discussing moments ago the line moving uh, from eight and a half down to six by by some places and the over-under going down. You think that readjusts itself? Uh, you think that's uh, maybe Las Vegas with a knee-jerk reaction? Any any thoughts on that? I was surprised to see that kind of movement. Um, if it moved like a half, maybe even a point, okay, going from a senior, a known player versus a freshman as talented as he was. I'm not sure how much Vegas cares about his recruiting service ranking, uh, but I was still surprised to see it be that much just because it's a game where the point total among both teams is so low to begin with I wouldn't think there's that much change but yeah the funny thing is I think the reaction from Tennessee fans was hey this improves our chance whether that's true or not I don't know if that's the case but that's kind of the reaction of Tennessee fans so if you liked Tennessee against the number 48 hours ago then I would think you like it even more now Caleb, uh, you're the gambling guy. If you get locked in at eight and a half, can you like refi that down to a six and a half? Because I mean, that's a touchdown. Depends on the services. I mean, you can cancel your bet a lot, most of the times and just bet again based on what the line is. But it, it sometimes it, it, it depends on the app and what you agree to once you place the bet. Sometimes you're locked in, sometimes you're not. So that's right. It's, yeah, yeah, the line moving also might affect cash out opportunities because they, you know, they see the difference of where it is now. True. And yeah. those uh, gambling services never n- never cancel. All right. So, uh, Josh, let me hear your thoughts on uh, uh, Nico and a couple of different things I wanted to ask you. Uh, you've got five ways that a strong bowl performance will prove valuable for Nico. That's on offthehooksports.com. I'll let you get started. What were some of the criteria that you looked at for reasons that a strong bowl performance from Nico will prove valuable for 2024? Nico playing provides some juice for the game. I haven't sensed a ton of excitement about the game among Tennessee fans. And I think that's the case across college football. I don't think that's just a Tennessee thing. I, I think the month of December has been more focused on recruiting and the transfer portal because that is the coach's focus for a lot of this month. So that's actually where I took it back with the Nico effect. If he has a strong performance on Monday, you can bet the Tennessee's coaches are going to let recruits know about it. That includes the 24 class with somebody like defensive lineman Dominique McKinley, a very highly touted defensive lineman who did not sign with Texas A&M and is planning to visit Tennessee in mid-January. Tennessee will go to him and say, look, this offense is about to take off. Help rebuild what we're doing defensively with a, a couple of players to replace. Come in and we'll take it to the next level on defense with an offense that's about to be championship caliber. And then in 2025, they'll go through the state of Tennessee. They'll go to quarterback. George McIntyre, who is strongly considering Tennessee, might pick Tennessee either way, but if he sees Nico play well, that is added to the resume of Josh Heupel and his ability to develop quarterbacks where he can say, hey, look, here's a true freshman. By the end of his first season on campus, we have him ready to go. 
come be his backup in 2025 as a true freshman. You'll be ready to take over and be the guy in 2026. So there's a lot you can sell to recruits as well as transfer portal targets. If Tennessee is looking for immediate help for 2024, the players they're going to target want to be a part of a team that has a chance to do something next season. If they see Nico perform well, and he looks like a guy that can help Tennessee's offense rise back to an even higher level next season, that adds to Tennessee's playoff contention. That adds to to the sell of Tennessee's coaches to targets that they want to come in and help right away. Yeah, Josh, it's funny you um because your next point was uh transfer portals, and I wanted to get to that a little bit because I wonder, do you think transfer portals will be even a bigger help than because Tennessee, I don't think, is done in the transfer portal. And do you think that would even be a bigger splash than recruiting? Because if they see Nico play well in the Citrus Bowl, won a lot of transfer portal targets who are thinking, I want I'm I'm not looking down the road. I'm looking for success in 2024. And Tennessee all of a sudden looks like it's very well positioned to have success in 2024. So do you think the transfer portal could even be a bigger benefit than recruiting if Nico plays well on Monday? Well, I, I wouldn't rank them necessarily. I think they have two different points of importance for Tennessee's coaching staff. That's why I mentioned somebody like Dominique McKinley. The reason Tennessee is optimistic about 2024, or part of it, would be the return of guys like Amari Thomas and Omar Norman Lott, but they're not returning in 2025. Dominique McKinley would. So if they can land him, maybe he doesn't make a, a big impact or one at all in 2024, but with some of the players that they've brought in over the last couple of years, landing somebody like McKinley would help. If you look at the 24 class, where's the interior defensive line help? I don't. They don't have any. So they need, they need that for beyond. Nico is somebody they're selling for the future of Tennessee's program, the immediate future, because he's the guy. He's QB1 now, and they'll use that for next season. But Tennessee is trying to build for 2025 and beyond as well. And the class is a good class, but it's not everything that the coaches hoped that it would be. Finding interior defensive line help, as an example, would change that in terms of what the program can be moving forward. If they don't land McKinley or anybody else on the defensive line, that creates a pressing issue in the transfer portal where they do have to go get a difference maker next year. They probably need to do that anyway, but it's it's a must, and they probably need multiple guys a year from now if they can't find help in this class. You have it, number three, Nico's confidence. Um, from all that we hear, he's not a guy lacking in confidence and not cocky, but still it's gotta be nice to go into an off season with a game under your belt, especially if you have some success. Yeah. Uh, confidence helps anybody, no matter how talented you are, no, how matter, no matter how much you prepare there, you can play the other side. If he doesn't play well, I'm not saying he's going to lose all his confidence, but we've seen talented quarterbacks, Joe Milton who has all the talent in the world, but admit that when he when he struggled earlier in his career, it affected his confidence. It had him questioning, can I play this game? I'm not saying Nico's going to be there. This is more about what a strong performance can do. A strong performance would give him something to build on. If he has success against an Iowa defense, whether it's overrated or not, if he plays well on Monday, that gives him something to build on. That will build the confidence of his teammates, who already have it going into Monday, but would have more of it if he plays well against the Hawkeyes. Yep. Uh, Josh Ward's visit with us uh, is brought to you by our friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. They had their showroom open in Athens with the best hot tubs and spas on the market. Delivery, yes, they can do that. Complete support, spa cover, and chemicals to keep your spa and pool bubbling at its best. That's Dynasty Pools and Spas. Amazing discounts for first responders, military, and even some blemish models that you can save a ton on. And no one will ever notice 
Dynasty Pools and Spas, go to DynastySpas.com or stop by their incredible showroom in Athens, Dynasty Pools and Spas. And then the remainder of your column that you had, if you can go through uh, the top two, because after Hypel's confidence, you had, I'm, I'm sorry, Nico's confidence, you had Hypel's self-scouting. What what exactly do you mean that by that, Josh? Yeah, it's one thing for Josh Heupel to see Nico practice and know about his skill set mm-hmm. and know about how hard he works, but seeing him in live action, seeing how he responds to what they call and the flow of a game and how he performs against a live defense is different. A comparison I made was to 2021. Tennessee knew that Hendon Hooker was a talented quarterback. They knew that he could make plays. They also went with Joe Milton. They went with the upside of what his physical ability was. And then Hendon showed probably more playmaking ability than they expected. They were able to see him against real defenses, both in the Pittsburgh game when he took over and then in SEC play. And look at how they worked together moving forward, how Josh Heupel's offense and the design of it with Hendon at quarterback took off. They'll have a chance to spend the offseason having seen Nico not in late game situations against UTSA where they're just trying to make sure he doesn't get his head taken off almost literally or running out the clock at the end of the game to, okay, he's running the offense. He's working with these guys, Squirrel White, uh, Cameron Selden, Dylan Sampson, who will play a bigger role in the offense next season. It doesn't have to be just about Nico. It can be about those players around Nico and what Tennessee wants to do in 2024. Uh, yeah, Caleb, I, I want you to to handle this this last one. And it is uh, a, a fan base. And suddenly this, this what I thought was a bowl that Tennessee could show up flat for and Tennessee's fan base should co- uh, could show up flat for now seems excited. D- d- did you sense that being on the air and, is that good or bad for uh, for for Nico and and the fact that people are super excited for a guy to run out there and get his first start against one of the better ranked defenses in the nation? Uh, was that for me or Josh? Sorry. Yep, it was a lot unpacked. Go ahead. Wait, but who for who? Me or Josh? Who? Oh, I, it it was for Josh, but it, I, I think he might have broken up a little bit. No, so. no, I've, I've got you. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. I immediately noticed the excitement, the boost to the Tennessee fan base. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's a secret at this point that many Tennessee fans, I would say the majority, would like to see what Nico can do. And I think that feeling is also carried over into the building at Tennessee. They'd like to see what Nico can do. It, it is the, the bowl season has largely transitioned into a segue to the following year. I always want to be uh I want to be careful about what we talk about this week or during this month and how it will affect next year. But for Nico and for the fan base, it will create excitement over the next 8 months if he performs well on Monday. And there are real benefits to the program. I pointed to NIL funding. Tennessee uh, Spire Sports asks for fans to donate to give money. They're more likely to do that if they see Nico go out there and perform well, and it creates more excitement about what the team can do on the field. The university, the athletic department can see more support. Ticket sales should be a cinch, but also getting uh, support for the athletic department in general will go up 
if Nico performs well on Monday. The hype machine has already started up. It will only go faster if he performs well on Monday. So there are real benefits to the program, and then it's up to Nico and his teammates and the coaching staff to put in the necessary work behind the scenes over the next eight months to get ready for the season opener and then 2024, the football season. So uh, there are real benefits to the program, and then Tennessee has to do its part to take advantage of all of that once we get to September and beyond. Yeah, so uh, one of the takes, Josh, that I totally agree, that's a, you know, fan support is a huge part of actually benefiting the program on the field now with NIL. I think there's another layer to this, though, also with fan support, which is this. College football playoff is expanding to 12 teams next year. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the committee says in that room. I don't care what they say they look at. There's politicking involved in the college football playoff, just like there is in the NCAA tournament selection committee. If Tennessee is, uh, if Tennessee, say hypothetically, Tennessee sells out the Citrus Bowl. I mean, we're talking like 75% of Orlando is Tennessee fans at this game. And say like next year or 2025, Tennessee is fringe like 11 to 13 for that final college football playoff spot. Am I crazy for thinking that selling out the Citrus Bowl like that would not be would become a factor in the playoff committee selecting Tennessee for that final team? Do y'all think I'm crazy for suggesting that? Well, say, Josh, I would say this. It would have to be a very specific situation that you have a team that is vying for 12 that has to go like to Washington. You know, are you going to have a team that would travel because it would be a home site, right? I mean, it it doesn't hurt you if you're that 12 or 13 team, but hopefully they're making the decision off other things. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, who are they battling against? If it's another big-time Power 5 program, it probably doesn't make much of a difference. And you're right, we're talking about uh, going on the road to a campus site where I can't, I can't imagine that ticket sales will be too much of a challenge for whichever school they'd be playing at, hosting the first-ever on-site, on-campus site college football playoff game so it, w- it wouldn't hurt Tennessee uh Tennessee's branding everything that goes with it but I think I still think that would be down the list of factors I-, I think the bigger factors would be okay so Tennessee obviously has some losses how competitive were they in those losses how impressive were they in their win so what happens in the Citrus Bowl in terms of fan support Tennessee's fan support and willing to travel willingness to travel I think that's already decided, but they would only have a small allotment probably, right, in tickets that would be given to the university. So I don't think that would be a huge deal. Okay, but then would it go with this? Would Tennessee be then given – sorry, Dave, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt, but would they be given – do you think, say, Tennessee's between, like, the 7 and 10 seed range? Do you think the committee would say, let's give Tennessee the home field advantage because we know their fans are going to fill up the 100,000-seat stadium because their fans are just that loyal, whereas if they're playing Washington – Look, guys, what we're seeing right now with the college football playoff, Washington fans are are having trouble selling their tickets for the college football playoff game against Texas right now. The ticket sales dropped to like $400 this week. So does that work in Tennessee's favor to say, okay, let's give them the home game because we know their fans will show up? Yeah, but again, we're talking about a home site versus a neutral site. Ticket sales for a school at a neutral site versus coming to their home stadium, I think, are different. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, don't, think, I don't think Washington's going to have a tough time getting fans to a game in Seattle. No, no, but it, that, that's a topic for another day, but it, it certainly, um, it certainly it doesn't hurt Tennessee. I just, uh, I, I need to know exactly the teams we're talking about where it would be a factor. And I still think how they performed 
in the games and how good of a team Tennessee is would be a bigger deal. Like the the committee that doesn't really have ties to Tennessee, I don't think is going to think – I don't think it's going to factor in at that high level of a priority, hey, can we get fans to Neyland Stadium versus – Whichever, whichever, whichever power five, because we're going to be in that case, we're talking about a power five school, which other power five school can they get fans to their game? I'm sure that most will be able to fill up their stadium for a home playoff game. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, what did you think of and what did what did some of your callers think uh, you get input from your listeners of the way Joe Milton handled this, that it was an unknown for a couple of weeks Definitely a week longer than it should have been. Uh, what was your take on that? And what do you think is the general consensus among Tennessee fans? Yeah, we heard a little bit about that, but uh, we had one caller who was simply asking, hey, wait, did he, so did he decide this today or how does this work? Uh, or did they already know and they just announced it today? And I've I, this whole process has been confusing for a lot of people. I have struggled to keep up with who has announced their decisions for next year because I've also – known about decisions that have been made. Like Jabari Small just announced a couple of days ago. We knew a few weeks ago he wasn't coming back. He he wasn't around the, the program at all. Quarterback's different, of course, than other positions. But we, we heard very little about the timing of the decision. It was more about the excitement of getting to see Nico. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. But as things shake out, uh, should Tennessee be, be frustrated? Uh, that, I think there were a lot of guys who were unsure that were on the team. That to me is uh, was was bizarre, and and I I can't help but think that as many things as I like Josh Heupel for, maybe he is a little too nice in some situations. And sorry, in what in which regard? Well, just I, I would have wanted a decision as soon as I opened camp. I don't think that would be too much to ask, and a guy's going out there and practicing for a week. I mean. Oh, I'm sure, but uh, I mean, I'm just welcome to college football. That's the way it works. I'm not saying like it, but <laughs> sure. uh, like Florida State's quarterback, Rodemaker, just made his announcement a few days ago, right? Uh, but here's my defense of him: Florida State has been active in looking for other quarterbacks, so every situation is different. Uh, Want to point that out? Uh, Pratt at Tulane. I don't know that his announcement was any sooner that he was opting out of Tulane's bowl game than it was for Tennessee with Joe Milton ahead of the Vols bowl game. So yeah, I think Tennessee's known for, for several days now that Joe was not going to be playing in the game and he is still around the team. He'll be helping Nico get prepared. I think it's overall more just readiness to move on and see what Nico can do in a bowl game. I'm, yeah, I'm sure they would like to have John Campbell there at left tackle. I think that's probably a, a bigger deal. Wish we could have our starting left tackle for next year playing in this game. And of course, Javante Spragans, there's no way he could play with the injury he suffered, but it's it's an offensive line that will not be at full strength, at least, going in for Nico. I think those are, if there was a to-change list, I think they would change those situations before they'd change the timing of Joe's announcement. Our portions of the program brought to you by Hemp House, the uh, premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. Hemp House Chat with 2Ts.com. Um, do you buy any of this? And then Caleb uh, loves conspiracies more than me, so I know he wants to jump in here. But do you buy any of this that Josh Heupel and Joe Milton, they knew secretly that they were going to do this and they kept it to themselves and not even other offensive coaches or players knew? Are you buying any of that? 
Uh, no, no, uh, I'm not. <laughs> now, I mean, I mean, word word started to kind of leak out that hey, you know, Joe might not be playing in this game more than a week ago. So that's not just people on the outside talking. That's coming from the inside. So if people on the outside are hearing that, then people on the inside are hearing more of it. Yeah, when somebody texts you back and they say, "Well, they can always announce on social media," that you get a pretty good idea that they're unsure. And that's the only part that I would knock Joe on is having his team unsure. Sorry, Caleb, jump in there. Yeah. So I just on a broader sense, Josh, it's funny because, uh, you know, when I was, you know, Dave and I actually used to debate this last year. I don't know if Dave remembers that, uh, but is it time to put the rest of the debate over whether or not players are wrong for choosing to opt out of their bowl games? Because I've insisted for a long time, if you're not in a playoff game, it's a win-win if a player not coming back next year opts out. They get to focus on the draft. You get to focus on future players who are actually going to be on the team next year. So isn't it kind of a win-win when star players like your quarterback or Jalen Hyatt last year opts out? Like, should should fans really ever be upset at players anymore for opting out of a meaningless bowl game? Not meaningless, but a bowl game that has no title implications? Well... I would say yes and no to that. I do think often we see an overreaction in players opting out of a bowl game. It's just, it it's changed completely. When Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey did it, it was the talk of college football because we weren't really seeing it at that time. So these two running backs, who, by the way, they were protecting their status as top 10 picks at mm-hmm. the most dangerous position to play in the sport in terms of trying to have long-term success in the league. And they got crushed for it at the time. Now we're seeing players that, fans across college football haven't really even heard of that are opting out of bowl games. So it's, it's changed completely, but it, but I'm not, I'm also not going to tell a fan, Hey, you care about your team. It's a sport that's built around 12 month out of the year passion for a sport that plays 12 regular season games. Don't care about the 13th game. So I think we need to be careful about how much we react or how over the top the disappointment can be, because you have to recognize Players are trying to do what's best for them, like coaches try to do what's best for them. The The comparison I've made, going back to the McCaffrey-Fournette year, is, hey, wait a minute, if you hire a coach and you expect him to leave his team to come to your school and skip out on their bowl game, then how can you criticize players who make the same decision to make their next move? But you still want to win the game. So I wouldn't say that, hey, it's better for a team to lose its best players, like, I think the better thing for Tennessee would be for uh, Jalen Wright to be starting at running back for Tennessee so they would have a better chance to beat Iowa because winning is better than losing. Like, what if you find out that these players you're excited to see aren't any good? <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not, uh, uh, that's not, but at least you uh, find that out. To the, what's that? At least the coaches find that out then. Well, that's, that can realistically, help with the, they, they have the whole offseason. <laughs> to do what? Because what if they can't find a replacement? So realistically, the coaches know who's good and who's not in certain areas. So if I had to guess, if Josh Heupel could pick a fully engaged Jalen Wright playing in the game or not, he would say, yeah, I'd like to give the ball 15 times to Jalen Wright with a freshman quarterback out there against Iowa's defense. I'm sure that he would like to do that. So, But you can have both. You can say, well, I'd rather have Jalen Wright, but I'm excited to see what Cameron Seldon can do in the game. Well, I'd rather have an extra veteran defensive back out there 
but at least I get to see what Ricky Gibson can do in this game. So you can have both. That's why we need to be careful about being over the top. But I'm never going to say it's a benefit to having a worse chance to win the game. No, no, and I and I look at this game, and um, I think that there there will be more excitement with Nico than there there was with Joe. My argument with Joe and that he shouldn't play was just like the uh, very same advice I would give to my son. I would completely understand him not playing, and I thought it was the better business decision move for him. I didn't think there was anything he could gain by an average showing against Iowa. He needs to go out and wow people in the combine. And for those that don't know, a 40-yard dash, Josh, you've run one, one of the fastest sports media times in Knoxville. Um, that, is, is, that is accurate. That is accurate. And it is, uh, it's a low bar. But it is not like um, – it's not football. What you're doing out there and those cone drills, that's not football. So go practice in that for a little bit, kind of like playing Frisbee golf, to make yourself a better football player because that's what you need to do. And – Spend your time doing that in December instead of getting ready for Iowa. That's what I would have told him. Yeah, um, I, I'm not going to fault a player for deciding to opt out. I'm also going to look at a player who decides, you know, I want to play one more game with my team and say, okay, hey, if that's what you want to do, go for it. A year ago, Jalen Hyatt decided to opt out. I had no criticism of the decision. Darnell Wright, who ended up being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, said, I want to play one more game. I said, cool, that's good for Tennessee. Like, There's an example you wanted to find out what Tennessee had behind him. I think Tennessee was was better off having Darnell Wright against Clemson last year than what was going to end up being behind him in 2024. But to, to each his own, uh, it's not like everybody's opting out. There are NFL draft picks that, we, that have been and will be playing in bowl games over the next couple of weeks. So whatever a player wants to do, and every situation is also different in terms of their, their coaching situation, their own draft status. All of that. But Joe, in this case, he has a senior bowl invite. He doesn't have much to gain, really, based on how much tape is out there and what his physical attributes are. Maybe there's something to lose. Obviously, he could suffer an injury. Or, you know, what if he goes out there and doesn't play well against Iowa? That could have happened. He's looking at his offensive line saying, wait, they're not at full strength. I don't have my running back that I've been playing with. I don't know about this situation. So that every player is in a different spot. I think fans need to understand that. The media needs to understand that I think a lot of times when we talk about players decisions whether to play in a bowl game or not yep. uh, I agree with that there's a lot of play in that and there's a lot of play from uh, Tennessee's side our, our poll question that is on the YouTube channel let me see where you would fall in this Nico will blank against Iowa in the Citrus Bowl uh, the blank is play exceptionally too talented uh, play adequately first start great defense Struggle, tough position versus great defense. Care to guess which one taking control, and what would you vote for, Josh? Uh, what was the tick above adequate? Exceptionally. It was an uh, adverb Thursday. Uh, I would, I would like right now. I would say adequate to realistic expectations to help with a win. So some would say that's exceptional in a, a first start, but I, I would describe it like the numbers he'll put up, the plays he'll make as adequate with a high bar. Yep. Great stuff. Uh, Josh, we appreciate the time. People need to go to off the Five reasons a strong bold performance from Nico will prove valuable for 2024. Uh, really good piece. 
Josh, we appreciate it. Hope you had a Merry Christmas with the little ones and uh, have a great New Year's. And the next time we talk to you, that uh, a whole different year, man. It's crazy. Tom flies. Yeah, talk to you guys next year. Look forward to it. Read the piece. It's my uh, my last push for a Pulitzer in 2023, so I need the help. Uh, Pulitzer, you're setting the bar too low. Uh, you're passing Pulitzer, and yeah, you're picking up something bigger. That would just be adequate if I can pull that off. <laughs> All right, buddy. We appreciate it. Josh Ward, his appearance brought to you uh, by our good friends at Dynasty Pools and Spas. They have the showroom in Athens. They deliver to you. They've got incredible discounts for first responders, military personnel, and they've got some blemish models, too, that you can save a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I think the general feeling is pretty simple. It's a little bit more simple than I thought. It's uh, whatever the reason is, it's Nico time. And it's whether Joe stepped aside because he was told to step aside or whether Joe stepped aside because he felt he should step aside or whether Joe tripped on his way to the podium. It doesn't matter at this point. He doesn't want to play football or doesn't, or Tennessee doesn't want him to play football. And now people are just excited about Nico. So as much Caleb as I thought it might hurt his perception throughout and later on in life, maybe it won't. Maybe there's no real negative reaction here. There's, there's none. And I want every fan who's opposed to opt-outs and has a problem with players opting out. Well, if you got a problem with players opting out, well, then I hope you're not excited about Nico playing in this bowl game because it was only made possible because of a Joe Milton opt-out. Okay, so mm -hmm. this is why opt-outs are good. You want to, the bowls now. I'm sorry. I don't care what you guys say. Bowl games now are nothing more. If they're not a playoff game, they're nothing more than a game to see what you have in store for next year. That's it. That's all Can that matters. A really weird question that just popped in my mind. Should he be on the sideline? where he could potentially get hurt by somebody getting slung off the field. I mean, I have seen that happen before. Yes. He'll probably be like on the sideline on the bench, though, talking to Nico, like when Nico comes to the bench and things like that. I doubt he'll be standing right on the sideline where players get slung. Do you want him? Over, do you want him looking over your shoulder? Maybe this I don't think is he's going to look over his shoulder. I think he's there to help. I mean, Hinton Hooker wasn't looking over Joe Milton's shoulder, shoulder when he was on the sideline last year. In next. How do you become a high school superstar? to a college superstar. That's what Nico is planning on doing. Ron Slade did it quite well. The former ball joins us. We'll talk some hoops as well with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. We're back with Ron Slade in two minutes. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. 
City Heat and Air. There's your bear. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer, and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m. The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win, banksjones.com. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Welcome back with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. Coming up, it'll be Ron Slay in just a bit. He will join us. I take part, if you don't mind, in today's tough question. It's on our YouTube page. And then I want to go for a moment, as since Ron's running a little bit late, get some of your feedback on this being Nico's show. How excited are you? Or do you have some hard feelings about uh, the way maybe it's ended for Joe Milton? Is things seem too smooth like that's good for tennessee's fan base because used to be change brought on burning mattresses in the street on lake loud and that wasn't good but so far nico will blank against iowa in the citrus bowl play exceptionally too talented 34 percent. that's where i would land play adequately first start great defense in iowa 63 percent struggle three percent a tough position versus a great defense where would you fall in this you're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> You're asking me? The guy who said this is going to launch his Heisman campaign? Yeah, probably pretty <laughs> high, huh? Yeah. Nico's going to play exceptional. Also, he's going to play exceptional because I was overrated, guys. I'm telling y'all, they are massively overrated. Uh, uh, Dave, I got a question. Is the Big Ten West worse than maybe like some of the better group of five conferences like the American or the Conference yes. USA? Yes. I think so too. I think so too. It's, it's very bad. It's a, it's it's never been that loaded in the SEC. And there was a time that Tennessee and Florida were by far the best two teams in the SEC. And I still didn't think it was as lopsided as the Big Ten currently is now. It's not lopsided that sports treasures carrying over five million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. You just go to Facebook.com, and that Sports Treasures TN is where you'll find them. Love the daily updates at Sports Treasures TN. No, I believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, I think what you said is uh, absolutely, absolutely correct. I haven't heard anybody say the opposite you. No, I don't think anybody said the opposite. I think that the um, – I think the Big Ten West has been, and it's been really, really bad for years too, which is kind of mind-boggling. It's, I mean, look, let let let's talk about what the big, the Big Ten East is: Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Those are just bigger states with higher populations, so there's more football talent. There's just, but the West, 
You know what blows my mind, Dave, is you've covered recruiting. I don't understand how Illinois hasn't been able to be a hotbed for football talent because it's a big state population-wise. I mean, Chicago alone makes it a huge state. It just doesn't – you would think there'd be a pick of the litter of talent out of Illinois for the Iowas and Wisconsin's and Illinois to go into, but it doesn't seem like any of them get – doesn't seem like there's anything there. Yeah, Northwestern, they 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 ponied up a couple of years back, uh, really up, upgraded their facilities. So maybe that's tougher for Illinois to compete against. I've heard some of those Big Ten schools like Illinois and I think it was Iowa State, somebody told me about, that had covered both them and had covered with our past crossed in uh, community college covering JUCO kids out of Ole Miss. And he was like, there, there are some places as bad as the junior college places were that he had, he had covered out that direction that had worse facilities. That was pretty strong for me. Uh, when, when I look at Nico and the way he makes uh, this appearance, I don't, I don't see any drawback unless he doesn't play well. Now, the one thing that people keep saying on the message board that surprises me is that Nico and Josh Heupel had this little secret all along. I don't buy that for a couple of different reasons. I don't see the point. I don't think it scares Iowa that Nico's playing, even though I think Nico will be an upgrade there, and it probably should. I don't understand why you would keep this under wraps. I, I don't. If this was the plan all along, Caleb, what am I missing? Does do things really change that much? I think this gamesmanship is a default position for coaches now. I don't really think it I does too. much. That's the default position. That is the best way to put that. Yes. Yeah, is it because I don't really think it does much. I mean, guys, like, Jeremy, did Pru- toilet, like, did you put the toilet seat now down? Yes, it's in the default position. I feel like every every coach says that whenever. Hey, did you put the uh, mail on the front porch or in the post office box? You know where you like it, the default position. So that's where I put it. <laughs> that's I yeah. It. It's a, that's exactly what it is. I mean, the gamesmanship is a sure. default position, and Tennessee, quite honestly. Look, guys, just to know, just to give you an idea of how default of a position it is, Jeremy Pruitt would be vague on whether or not Jared Garantano is going to start to open the season. Because, you know, what teams were really worried about with Jeremy Pruitt was whether or not Jared Garantano or Keller Christ or Brian Maurer would get the start at quarterback. That was really going to make a difference for Tennessee during the Pruitt era. You can always tell in an interview as well when a guy's getting out of the default position uncomfortably which is to be very conservative, not say anything when he get, when he just kind of veers off the pattern. He's like, what? I just want to tell you though, that he's doing his best and that he's a really good guy. I didn't mean anything negative about that. Does everybody understand? See, that's because he got out of the default position. <laughs> Once you're in the default position of being conservative and looking out for your guys, I'm just surprised by the number of people that do really think that this is some sort of a situation in which Tennessee didn't want people to know. I didn't uh, understand that. Uh, I don't understand uh, exactly why it would help Tennessee in any shape or form to have it as a uh, as a secret between Josh Heupel or or Nico or Joe Milton. What am I missing there? Yeah. Again, this this is why it is possible that it. This is why it is possible that it is a default position because. Um, I just think that I, I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to see that Josh Heupel wasn't sure of what he wanted to do. If Joe Milton came and said, I'm not sure. And was stringing Tennessee along. I think Josh Heupel would have taken a stance early on and said, then I'm going with Nico. So that that's, that's where I'm kind of at with it. 
All right, let's bring a guy who's been on a team. We're going to talk some Tennessee basketball, but Ron Slade, let me ask you this. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. How you guys doing? Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hey, Merry Christmas and a happy, happy New Year to you guys. There you go. Hey, so have you ever been a part of a team? Because everybody wants to say that Josh Heupel and Joe Milton and Nico all got in a room a couple weeks ago and said, yes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wait until we land in Orlando, and then you say you don't want to play. I don't believe it was that thought that well thought out. I think it was just a young guy making a tough decision. What do you think? That's what I think it is, man. And I think, man, when you look at it, I, I, I'm, on, I'm on this side of it. You look at it, you have a culture that has been set in that quarterback's room. Now, I can't speak to the rest of the rooms because we don't get to see it that close. And, you know, the quarterback position, especially at Tennessee, is the position. So um, when you watch it, you watch what happened with Hendon. Um, Hendon being able to take the job from Joe. Joe getting injured, taking the job from Joe. Joe showing maturity, sticking around, supporting Hendon, the relationship that they formed, how much that meant to Hendon that Joe was already always their supporter then. Uh, Hendon going to get hurt in the ACL, and Hendon still right there to support Joe through the Vandy game, um, so forth and so on, through the bowl game, all this while trying to rehab and take it from somebody that tore the ACL. When you tear that ACL, man, you want to be doing 24 hours of therapy to hurry up and get strength and get it back. So it was plenty of times that I missed road games or whatever it may be, practices to be able to do training. So I think the spirit that they had in there, the energy that they had in that quarterback room, it was already kind of set and the foundation was set. So I thought it was the right thing for Joe Milton to do. It was an easier transition for him to be like, you know what, let me pass the reins to the young fella, you know what I'm saying, and then let him go on and get in there and show what he can do, and I'm going to be right there to support him. So as we know, Joe's still going down there to the bowl game, and I think that's just what you have. I think that's the chemistry you have in that quarterback room. I think that that's the love you have for each other in that quarterback room. And then I think in the society that we live in today, we got to shine the light on that because it's so many times that you could be like, no, nah, man, I'm getting these snaps, dog. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm trying to get ready for the draft, this, that, and the other. So him already accepting that senior bowl invite, um, being able to probably go to the combine and help himself in that, in that situation. Like it's almost the same pattern that Hendon walked. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure, um, I, I'm pretty sure, man, that he talked with Hendon about that as well. You know I'm not saying he made the decision, but he probably asked him about, I know what you think about this. And the way the foundation was already set in that quarterback room, and you pass it down, pass the torch to your brother so you can keep going. That's how what many, I think. How many people are coming at you when you have a decision to make whether or not you want to go pro or you want to return to college? How many man, people are coming at you? You're getting it from everybody. I'm talking about family members the dude that's always down at the corner store when you walk in there to get your juice and chips like your third grade teacher they know you know what i'm saying because they nephew was telling them how good you are and then they they feel they got a direct line to you i mean every single person you can imagine and that's not even talking about agents runners um managers of teams that are trying to get in touch with you scouts like it's nuts, man. And then the, the funny thing is, it probably starts way earlier now. Like, I remember my junior year, it was, um, you start to hear things like midway through the season. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, I'm, first of all, how you get my number? I don't even know you. So, I, so I can only imagine 
high profile as it is and how many different outlets you have to reach people in communication like it's got to be nuts for these guys man like you almost you almost need a, a real phone and a burner phone just for your friends where you can be like you know what everybody got this number let me go and set this on the on the table everybody on the team y'all got this number y'all hit me up on this so it's nuts that could be called the lane kiffin tradition i mean lane kiffin has some right. other people on his phone number too so you know um, yeah. there, there's a I'm reason not, that uh got some texts that i don't think were approved of go ahead Caleb. uh so ryan uh i actually wanted to as opposed to transitioning from college to the nfl i want to go mm-hmm. back to recruiting for a minute because believe it or not dave and i were talking yesterday on the phone and we knew you were coming on, and we kind of thought about there's some similarities, not a lot, but to when you were recruited to when Nico was recruited. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is you were the I, – I, I know Jerry Green gets a lot of uh, – is, is accused of inheriting a lot of Kevin O'Neill players, but you guys yeah. were the class that he recruited. That was yeah. his class. You were a highly touted recruit who commits to a rising uh, – deemed a program on the rise at the time, mm-hmm. right, in Tennessee mm-hmm. basketball. When you yep. go in 1999, similar to Nico Iamaliava, a highly touted recruit who commits to a program on the rise in Tennessee yep. under a, his first year under a third year head coach, your first year under a third year head coach. Mm-hmm. And eventually you were kind of tasked. Um, now, I think this was after Jerry Green, but you became tasked with becoming the leader of the team yep. a couple of years after as they as all that pressure was mounting. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit earlier for Nico, but. You know, with the expectation of the program being on the rise, with you being expected to become a leader of that program yep. and the anchor, how would you advise Nico to manage all of that? Because it and how did oh, you deal with it? Man, first of all, I think he's done a, a really good job. If you um people that have been been able to see him, how he moves around in the complex, you know, um off the field, um, there's no even though with the the parade around him that he came in with he doesn't move like he's the president you know what i'm saying he moves like he's one of the common people you know what i'm saying it takes time to talk to people kids this that and other i've never seen him and i've seen him in like three or four times and i've never seen him pass up opportunities when kids run up to him adults even talk to him you just want to shake his hand so um i think he's handled that well i think the the benefit that he had was come being able to come into a situation where you still had a bridge in joe milton and you still had a guy like hendon hooker that was still around you still had guys on the um on the defensive line that could kind of you know were getting highly touted like omar thomas is always speaking up you know what i'm saying so you get shielded by him you get shielded by Mays. joe milton took a lot of brute um um hits as far as it came as questions being asked where he he was able to hide not hide in the shadows but kind of be you know, blanketed a little bit. And I think that was the same situation we walked into um, with our freshman class. You know, Tony Harris was already a McDonald's All-American. Charles Hathaway was McDonald's All-American. C.J. Black, Isaiah Victor, Vincent Yarbrough was number one in the South at the time. So um, I, I think you had a lot of people already there that could kind of blanket you. And before you were able to get groomed, before, you know, revealing like, oh, now let's see what he's going to do. So by the time I was able to walk into that situation and, you know, kind of be a leader. Um, I think it was a little bit easier, you know what I'm saying? Because it didn't it didn't get thrust onto me my freshman year. Like everything I brought to it was a bonus. And I think that's what it looked like for Nico this first year, this red shirt year, being able to be a bonus. Now you walk into a different light and you're expected to do something else. So my sophomore year, I was able to be third team all SEC. 
coming off the bench. You know what I'm saying? So you're still living up to expectations. I think it's the same thing with Nico. Nico got to be able to take the step, but you got to also have guys come back and be able to help them. So with this O-line, if they come all back, you get this front line on the defense, come back, get these receivers to help them, Brew come back, Squirrel help them, you know what I mean, so forth and so on, and these guys live up to potential, you're protected. You know what I'm saying? Peyton Lewis come in, he gets some playing time. Like, you got guys to protect you. So by the time he gets to that second year of true playing, which would have been my junior year, you're ready to explode. And it's on. You know what I'm saying? Minus the ACL, it's, the trajectory should be leading up. You know, and I think he's the guy that can handle that. I think he got the right people around him. I think Josh Hyper does a great job of grooming quarterbacks. Um, so we, we're going to see. He got he got to live up to the potential. I think the, the the toughest part with the transfer portal and NIL is you got to be able to hold it all together. Right. I think if you can hold it all together with these classes coming in, Mike Matthews, I keep saying calling this man Mike Matthews, um, the receiver Chris, that's coming in. Chris Brazel? Uh, him guy? too. Him too, the Matthews kid that's coming in next year, though. Uh, yeah, that's Mike Matthews. It. You got it right. Yeah, Mike Matthews. Okay, yeah. Um, you got him coming in. Like, you got a lot of guys coming in. If you can hold it all together, I think that was the downfall to us. When we switched coaches, um, Coach Peterson was brought in, and that whole freshman class that we came in, we had five freshmen. So we would have five starters, me, Marcus A. Slip, Harris Walker, John Higgins, and then um, – who am I leaving out? Terrence Woods, right? Terrence Woods. So you got – Five guys, three missed basketballs, you know what I'm saying? Like, Shaker Heights, Ohio, John Higgins was the only one outside. So when Coach Peterson came in, he had to um, clean house, and he ended up kicking Harris Walker and Terrence Woods off, slipped left early for the draft. He left me and John Higgins. My senior, John Higgins, gets ineligible for the SEC tournament, and I'm out there all alone, the long senior. So <laughs> if, you can, if, you can, if you can hold it together, you got some problems and things going on. So hopefully Nico don't got to deal with that part. No, there were the two times I got slammed in the mouth. What? One was John Higgins, the other was Lane Kiffin. I was like, I didn't see that one coming at all. That's how I was in the locker room before the game. Like, what? Out and the funny thing is, like, I just had Marquise Daniels, uh, his daughter is in town playing, so we were kicking it in the garage, some cigars and some bourbon, and sitting there talking. And I'm like, dog, man, it was between me and Marquise. Me and Marquise had the same like trajectory. We go into this SEC tournament, and I'm like, he was like, man, when did you find out Higgs wasn't going wasn't gonna to play? I said, dude, we found out before the game. Like, I'm sitting in the locker room. They come in like Higgs is ineligible. I'm sitting there like, dog, I got to go out here and fight. I got to go fight Auburn with Marquise Daniel, who is on fire at this point. They got the leading shot block. I'm like, man, what the – me and C.J. Watson. We had Brandon Crump too, but – Dog, this was that holding. We had T holding. We had, yeah, yeah. I what? Let me do this. I, I want to talk some hoops, but I want to ask you one, one last thing. You're how, how tall are you? Six seven. Six seven. Okay. So, for those that don't know, Nico is a legit six six. Easy. It's like it's like when people get next to Peyton Man, they're like, I didn't realize how big that sucker was. Yeah. He is. If he's not already, is going to be very very recognizable. You were because of the headband, and you right. were fun, and you were right. animated. Right. So, what are the pros and cons of that? Because he doesn't have a choice. Everybody's nah. going to know who he is. Yeah, he he, uh, he doesn't have a choice. I think, man, you got to continue to be himself and be wise on what he's doing. What he's doing. I think the best thing to do would be, man, put your time into teammates going bowling, all team events where you can be shielded. 
You know what I'm saying? If you want to get out and do something, be shielded. Other than that, man, be gaming. And other than that, be in their own film. I think that's that's the simplest way to do it. And I, I think uh, Marquis said something interesting to me last night. He was like, because he's, he's coaching at Auburn. He was like, man, this generation of kids, the only thing they don't understand is the sacrifice that has to be made. And I was like, what you mean? He was like, man, in order to get to that next level, to separate it, it's only one separate, and this is in all pro sports. It's the confidence and your discipline, those two things. How many can be disciplined enough to say, I, man, I, I'm not going out? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it is that simple. I'm just going to stay at the crib. I'm going to play video games, this, that, and the other. I'm going to go in the gym. I'm going to go lift. I'm going to go do this. And how many times can you be disciplined enough to say that? And that, I think that's that's right. Because I honestly, at that time, I wasn't disciplined. I didn't get disciplined until my senior year. I was, But I didn't feel like I had that pressure to go out and perform. I felt like it was easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to play 19 to 20 minutes a game. We had starters ahead of me. I could do that in my sleep. But when it came to my senior year and I started playing 30 minutes, I was like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> it's a different, it takes a different type of energy. So if Nico and guys can hold that in the forefront and he can he got to bring some others with him. That's it can't be the he's the only one that's disciplined and focused and trying to do the thing. If he can bring some other guys with him and they all be on track to do that, they're gonna do some special thing. Ron, you're short selling yourself because um you're gonna find you're gonna find this story funny, but it's a it's an early memory of mine. My my grandfather, I grew up in Memphis. My grandfather had season tickets to U of M games at the pyramids. We would go to Memphis mm-hmm. Tiger games all the time. And I actually the first time I ever heard of you was going with him to a Tiger game in 1999 when CJ Black gets ejected for fighting. Yes. yes. And you Perfect come in. Yes. And you come in as a freshman. You drop 13 and you lead Tennessee back. Yep. Uh, Memphis was dealing with a lot. They had a coach who, um, you yep. know, had, a, had an affinity for students, uh, the, yes, the Lane Kiffin of Memphis. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. You ain't said let's short at all. <laughs> yeah. I remember that, man. I remember that like it was yesterday. And I, I man, that was the first thing I thought when we went in the halftime. I was like, dang, man, blackout. And I'm looking around like, darn, I guess I'm I'm next up. So <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's go get it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yep. I remember that boy. But what but the good thing is I, I grew up playing against some guys in AU. So Paris, London, all those guys that were on that Memphis. Courtney squad. Trask, yeah, like I yeah, like I was. I, I, I want to play y'all. Like I was, that was one of the ones I was chomping at the bits. You know what I'm saying? Plus, I got a lot of family in West Tennessee, so I was like, "Yeah, give me an opportunity. I'm getting out there." And it, yeah, it, it turned out good, man. That was a fun game too. <laughs> that was fun. We did get the fight. <laughs> and it Funny enough, the interim over coach the of Memphis at the time, the interim coach of Memphis was Johnny Jones, who was Ben Simmons' yeah. coach at LSU yep. later down the road. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> so. Funny. Transitioning to hoops because uh, I think I'm going to make Ron's head explode because I'm back to where I I'm back to where I was last year, Ron. Tennessee's number six in the A people, the number yeah. seven in the coaches poll. They're overrated right now. Tell me why. <laughs> Waiting for that. That came up at the three forty-five a.m. production meeting. Hey, hey, but this okay, Caleb. You got to tell me how though. Okay, first of all. They have the same record as UNC, and UNC beat them pretty good, if I mm-hmm. recall. They're going, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, "Oh my God, the don't connect injury that happened yeah. at the very end of the game." It UNC is. was dominating that day. Yep. Okay, what does yeah. Pey- what does Peyton Manning have to say about that? Like, that is total bullshit. Okay, 
Also, also, as of right now, mm-hmm. Tennessee is kind of reverting to what they always revert to under Rick Barnes, which is they're not shooting and hitting enough threes. They are 115th in three points made, 99th mm-hmm. in three points attempted, 180th in three-point percentage, and they're ahead of a Kentucky team that is nine and two, that is third in three-point percentage. And Ron, I am a I'm sorry in college basketball. Mm-hmm. I've said this a thousand times. Three-point shooting is what wins in March. It just mm-hmm. does because there is no defense. I don't care how good Tennessee's defense is. When you run into a team that's shooting the ball well from outside, there's no defense that stops it. Yeah, you got to so, be able to match it. You got to be able to yeah. match it. So and answer I'm, me this, though. Who, who if, if that was the case, you have to look at who's been played. So who did those losses come to? Who did those down to the wire games come to? So outside of Kansas um, – Kentucky did. Kentucky did handle North Carolina. Um, but outside of that, like who else would you, record-wise, looking at who they played, who would you put ahead of them experience-wise? Well, I would put Kentucky ahead of Tennessee. Why? Who would they play? Because Kentucky is shooting better from three, and mm-hmm. and at least in terms of record against common opponents, Kentucky beat North Carolina, and North Carolina. I don't care what the score showed at the end of the game. North Carolina drags Tennessee. Yeah, but you can't. And, you, you know they're gonna go by the end of the, the end of the game score. That's that's the thing. I know, but I'm going by what I saw. Okay, okay. and then on the other side, mm-hmm. North Carolina and Tennessee have the same record, and North Carolina again drags Tennessee. And I know mm-hmm. it's in North, I know it's in Chapel Hill. It plays a different. It makes it does make a difference. Makes a hell of a difference. Neutral <laughs> site and roll games and all that makes a difference. I can't put Tennessee ahead of Kentucky and North Carolina right now. I just can't based on what I've seen from those two. That's cool. I think when it comes down to it, when you talk about, um, when you look at it, if I was looking at it and I, I'm more of an eye test guy, when it comes as impactful plays, um, I think the plays that have been made by Sakai and the emergence of him is totally different. I think moving forward, I even think an SEC play, um, coming off this break, getting ready to go into SEC play, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if the leading scorer um, and top three assist guy in the SEC for Tennessee would be Zakai moving forward. But I do believe that doesn't mean that when you talk about impactful buckets, an 8-0 run by itself, I do believe Dalton Connect will offer that. But if you look at Tennessee, when they did get stagnant, um, couldn't score the ball, it was a inbound stolen by Zakai Ziegler to give you an extra possession, make you a three-on-two break. So when you couldn't score – he was still like he's the difference. Like it ain't no ifs, ands, or buts. This team takes Zakai out, and this team can get pumped. Put Zakai in, this team won't get pumped. Ron, how many teams are there that can realistically win a national title? I want to ask you that. Brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Brings us Ron Slay on a Thursday. Their showroom in Athens has the best hot tubs and spas in the market. Delivery, they can do that. Complete support, spa cover, and chemicals to keep your spa bubbling at its best. Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to dynastyspas.com so let me ask mm-hmm. you ask you that question how many teams do you look at there could always be this incredible upset but you look at right now and you think they can win a national title how many teams are there and is tennessee one of those teams in the sec no i was going to go across the nation. Across the la- okay um sheesh i believe um arizona can do it i believe um I most definitely Purdue. Um, I believe Kansas, the way they're playing right now, can do it. Um, 
I believe Kentucky can do it. I got to see how Bradshaw and when they get the other seven footers back, how they integrated into the system. And does that change the rotation? Because I feel like they're guard heavy and they're best when they're guard heavy, but you need that length down low. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays and what, what happens with the dynamic of the rotation for them. So I do think Kentucky can get there just because they, they, that backcourt, man, with Dillingham and, and Reed Shepard all coming off the bench, that's one of the best in the nation. Um, no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, I do believe Tennessee can be there, but I, I think they have to be healthy. Um, you can't can't get down the stretch um, and, and have somebody out. You need all nine guys that you're going to run with. Eight, nine guys, you got to have them. I think that's five. I also believe Texas A&M is a team. If Boots Radford is healthy with Wade Taylor, I believe that it's, it's their problem for people. Um, who am I missing? Um, UConn, UConn is tough. Like what Hurley's doing with him. Like it's, he kind of put it, reestablished some different fabric in there. Like it's, they tough to handle, and they're a tough team. Like, if you want to get physical with them, you get physical. I almost think, man, you got to put FAU right there. Like, I, don't, they, I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, they, they I mean, they haven't shown a drop off. They, they stay with the same seven core guys, and they they run, and man, they, they look tough. Um, I'm not a believer in North Carolina. I like what RJ Davis is bringing. Um, Baycott. They still don't have an inside presence. I know they have the guy at the four spot that they back down a lot and run the offense through him, but I ain't gonna believe in him yet. Mm. If the if the guard, I forgot you say his name, Kalu Kaku, how you say his name? If he was a sophomore, I'd be more entitled to put them in this conversation. Um, well, I think at this point, that's about seven or eight. Yeah, if, if they're seven or eight and you're in that discussion, is that – I don't know if that's overrated or not, Caleb. That's a discussion I want to be in at this point. That's a great one. Yeah. I mean you, – you Do you disagree with any of those teams, first of all, Caleb? I actually disagree with you about UConn right now because the thing about mm-hmm. UConn is their shooting has just tanked. They were mm-hmm. really good from outside last year. They're awful this year mm-hmm. yep. uh, from beyond three. And I, I just – again, I don't think really bad teams from three – I was about to say, I don't think really bad teams can go far in March. I'm like, well, that's a duh answer. But <laughs> I don't yeah. think really bad teams from beyond three. I like to throw teams. Houston in there, too. Houston's another one. Kevin Sanders. But Houston also guy. is struggling right now from outside. Yeah, I they, just they, they always struggle until their defense locked down to choke you out. Yeah. If Virginia, can, if Virginia can win a champ, if Virginia can win a championship, anybody can win a championship. Ron, you and I both know that Virginia team, though, was super efficient from three. They were super efficient. They shot 39% from three that yeah, year. Yeah, they only shot 30, 34 shots probably a game. Like this. Yeah, but if they <laughs> needed a three... It, okay, that Virginia team is kind of like Michigan's offense in football right now. People mm-hmm. think Michigan doesn't have a great offense because it doesn't rank that high, but that's because Michigan just chooses to run it every play because they know they can just overwhelm so you, but their offense is still good. Impactful threes. Yes. Exactly. I'm not so sure Tennessee is as efficient, but Rod, I got to ask you a very, very serious I question. So I was a cat did at the top of the key when those things got tight. You are right. A healthy Zakai can change this. That that's very yeah. true. A healthy Zakai with a healthy cream sickle mamba, and <laughs> um, <laughs> but Ron, speaking of cream sickle mamba, all right, we got to have a little fun just real quick. 
because I'm bringing up Queen Sickle Mamba. I'm sure you saw the, saw the Rashard Mendenhall tweet about two weeks ago. Yes, uh, I did. Okay, <laughs> who's more likely to go? What team would go further? A team of all the best white players in the NFL or all the best white players in the NBA? <laughs> oh. Oh. And yes, I'm counting foreigners with the NBA because that's the only way. Okay, that was going to be the next question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the NBA, NBA, no question. You automatic, you automatically take Luca and Joker. Like, yeah, I think you, so. You, I think got, you, got, you got a problem. You got a point guard and a five man, and both can play either spot. Luca can post up. Joker can run the point. Um, yeah, they, they, they're, they're just them two alone. We fill in the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, yeah, anybody, you put you put Caleb and Caleb and Dave in there. <laughs> That's the problem. Is like with football, you got to find some cornerback somewhere, and I don't know where you're going yeah, you to get those cornerbacks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ron, have, are you are you out and about? Are you going to be on the TV this weekend? Yeah, man. So I'm on. Um, I got to leave tonight. Um, I'm on Friday and Saturday, SEC Network. Then Sunday. Uh, me and Tom Hart have the Ole Miss game. I think it's at um, three. I think this is an important thing to know what time the game is. But <laughs> like, I, I just, I'm just, Dave. I'm just trying to get there. Like <laughs> at this point, <laughs> this, this traveling right here. So it's um. Let me see. I'm gonna tell you exactly what time. It's at three o'clock central. Boom. Three central. Three central. eastern. So All I right. get on the I get on a flight and get back to Nashville at eight in the morning. And drive four hours to Oxford, Mississippi on New Year's Eve. Youch. Watch yeah. out, Jay Billis. Ron, have a fantastic <laughs> New Year's. And Jay, you, guys you got Lane Kiffin on speed dial. You could probably help hey, find some. Uh, hey, he ought to let me use one of the Ferraris that Juco players are pulling up in and stuff. Like, yeah. what is this? I can imagine Lane uh, calling Ron and say, hey, when you come down here, I'll take care of you. If an average person says that, you're like, oh, he's going to buy me a hamburger or something. Yeah, Lane, yeah. it's like, eh. Especially, Lane's especially is a, this year. Isn't Lane's a patches of Houlihan to a Vince Vaughn? He's Ron Slay. I'm Dave Hooker. Ron, have a fantastic weekend, buddy. Travel safe. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Go balls, baby. Ron Slay have for Caleb Calhoun. Yeah. I'm Dave Hooker. Reminding you that our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions have leadership experience specialization, making your children safer one school at a time. That's Harold GRP, Harold GRP. For Caleb, I'm Dave. This has been a presentation of Off Those Sports. <laughs>